Good morning and welcome to Talking Money, the only live program about money on WGTK and most other stations that uh, that have money shows that are not live. So I'm here to answer questions. Great participation last week. We appreciate all those texts and those calls that we got. You can just send an email to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. If you want to hear some other shows, like last week, we had some good tax tips and some good questions from listeners. If you missed that, uh, you still got a couple of days left in your deadline for 2020 because uh, this coming Monday is the deadline for filing the tax return. If you haven't done that IRA contribution or that 529 contribution or HSA, those kind of things, uh, you still have a, a slight window of opportunity to get that done. But if you're not sure what I'm talking about, go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and listen to last week's program. And we'll share with you some of those ideas I had for some last minute things you can do and still save money on your 2020 tax return. And I had a couple of questions. There's, there's so much in this area, which this is one of the things that I've enjoyed about financial planning of the years, that the decades that I've been working in this in this field is that it's so varied and every client situation is different. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, but there's so many things that are different for each person that keeps keeps my career an interesting one. And, and I love to have one, love to have clients that come in that have uh, more complicated situations, uh, more situations that might require some additional research to find out what's the best way to handle a particular situation. Uh, last week, I had a couple of questions I wasn't sure about. So I asked uh, David Stair, my CPA, if uh, and, and longtime friend, uh, to, to verify some of my thoughts on these things. So we had a call from Brenda last week from IVA, and she was moving a manufactured home to a new location, and she was going to start renting it. So she had the expense of moving it, plus she had the expense of setting up the septic tank and the water uh, and all that kind of stuff. And she was asking if it was deductible. So I, my first thought was, no, I don't think it's deductible. And uh, my my good friend Wayne called in from Greenwood and, and he gave his uh, answer. I verified it with the CPA this week. And yes, it's, it's not currently deductible as an expense, but it's deductible over time. So you add that to the basis of the property and you depreciate it over time. And of course, that's that's always looks good. And I'd like to remind folks who have rental property that there is a, a moment in time when and maybe you won't regret, but you don't want to be surprised when you sell a piece of property and you have to recapture that depreciation and pay taxes on it then. So you hope to be in a lower tax bracket, so forth, by that time. So it's the total tax bite is not going to be as bad. And sometimes, depending on how you take the depreciation, it actually has a higher rate than a capital gain a tax rate would be. So you got to be careful of those things. And and some people that buy real estate, they look, they're looking at the net cash flow positive return that they get. But part of that is because they can take depreciation as the deduction, but you you don't actually pay that out as, as an expense. It's just a tax deduction that you get to take from the, the income on the return, which helps make it look like positive. But to, to look to see if it's really a good long-term investment, you need to consider that the taxes will be different. It's not like you're going to get it all capital gains property, that, you, that it's all that basis is going to be, could be gone if you fully depreciate that property, it could be gone by then. So you have to be careful about that as well. Look at the total picture of real estate to determine whether it's a, a good deal. And I will always remind people, it, it don't look at the tax advantages, look at the true value of that real estate and will it increase is it in a good location is it the type of property that you're going to be able to sell fairly easily 
and it will appreciate. That's where you're going to make the money on it. I've, I've talked to a number of people over the years. I remember distinctively one. It's been a number of years since I, I spoke with, with he and his wife. Uh, he's now deceased. She's still living. But it was um, a situation where he had a bunch of rental property down in the Clemson area. And he was telling me about how how well he had done with that because how much it was worth now versus what it was when he bought it. So not to burst his bubble, but I said, well, when did you buy it? So he bought it in the 60s. I said, okay, well, what's it worth now? And he gave me the, what, what he paid for it, what it's worth now. And using a simple rule of 72, which you can help determine how often, how many years does it take for you to double your money? So if you make 10% a year, you divide 10 into 72, and every 7.2 years, your money will double if you make 10%. If you make 7.2%, then it's going to take 10 years for it to double. You get the idea. So just doing a simple rule of 72, I said, well, I think you made about 6% a year on on uh, rough guess on those properties. And he was just astounded because he just he forgot to take into consideration how many years he owned it. And you, you've got to look at that too, not just the um, amount of money it's worth now versus what it was worth then. All right, so that was um, Brenda's. And also just a reminder, when you move it to land, and she may be renting the land as this manufactured home, so it's she doesn't own it anyway. But when you buy a, a depreciable piece of property, some kind of rental property, business property, the land is not depreciated, depreciable, only the building itself, not the land. Uh, and then... Um, Let's see, John had a, a, a question. He had made a lot of money on cryptocurrencies, and he was wondering about, can he defer it to something else, and sell it and defer the taxes on it? And I, I mentioned using a retirement plan. He may have had some options uh, as a self-employed person to put some socks and money away, but a lot of those, most of the, the official defined benefit and defined contributions plans, not IRAs or SEP IRAs, had to be set up by the end of last year. You can contribute later, like the other listener who asked about contributing to a solo 401k. You've got to look at the employer can still make uh, contributions. Uh, the employee is is can't. So, But you have to have the, the program set up by the end of last year for those kinds of uh, retirement plans. But there are some options. You just have to look at it ahead of time. And it's another one of those things when I talk about how many different th- things there are, how many different moving parts there are in financial planning that you just got to be so careful. Listen to programs like this and listen to other programs, but but always weigh them um, versus each other. So where are you getting your advice? And I've got some other statistics we'll look at here later to see where are the millennials and the Gen Zers and some of those people getting their advice now. It's a little scary when you think about that, but, but you always want to weigh what opinions you're getting and what facts you're getting and say okay is that the same thing i'm hearing other places or i need to verify that especially if it sounds too good to be true which i hope you never hear that on talking money that you've never heard something's wow that just sounds too good to be true it's probably because it usually isn't uh, we try to give you the, the the good basic financial planning and not try to get out on the on the way out on the limb somewhere so uh, bill love was walking out and he was asking me about uh, cryptocurrencies and some of those things, the Bitcoin, is that someplace that we ought to invest or at least do you understand it? I think most people don't understand what that is and how it started and, and how you make money on it. And certainly I know there's a lot of people that know how you lose money on it, but how do you how do you make money on it? Uh, you just have to be careful with things like that. Uh, and some people, it's easy when, when you see some people making a lot of money on it. You want to get on that bandwagon, but you've got to be so careful that you don't jump on those kind of bandwagon. You might miss something else 
but I've uh, over the years I've had so many situations where people they got on at the at the last at the wrong time they got on at a peak or certainly at a higher point and then it it went down so quickly like Bitcoin can you, it goes down so quickly you don't have a chance to get out and you couldn't get out anyway and so you you just I think you stay away from those things it's the it's the best way to to do that for, for the vast majority of people so you got till Monday. To make an IRA contribution, talked to another radio listener this week, asked a question about that and asked a question about uh, their taxes. And I said, well, they had just met with their accountant. I said, well, did they, did your accountant mention anything about doing an IRA for last year? Because both these people sound like they're eligible to do a, a deductible IRA for last year. They're both over 50. They could do $7,000 each. So that that could go a long way to reducing your taxes by, by several thousand dollars. And they said, no, they didn't mention it. So maybe there's something other reason why the accountant didn't mention it. They're not eligible for it for some other reason that they didn't share with me. Um, but they were going to go back and, and check with them and see if that was something that they could they were eligible for and they could save some taxes. They were even at a poten- potential to be eligible for the SEP IRA, which as a self-employed person, especially if you don't have any employees, uh, it's a way for you to, to sock more money away into an IRA as that self-employed uh, person does. Okay, so we're going to talk after the break. This uh, a recent survey that was done, and uh, Mary Beth Franklin had an article in Investment News about women scored lower than men on financial literacy quiz. Oh, don't want to get in trouble here, so we want to make sure we, we, we put that in context, but we'll do that, of course, after the break. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. You're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. See, we're coming up in about uh, 20 minutes after the hour. So glad you're with us. And uh, just a quick reminder for those who may be new listeners, this is not a sales program. If you haven't figured that out already from the, the first segment, uh, you'll learn quickly that uh, we're just not trying to sell anything. And, and most of the products, most of the, the the other financial shows, unfortunately, are, are trying to sell something. There are a few that aren't, but they're, they're, most of them are. And you should just be really careful about the, about what they do. And Social Security is a, a big item uh, not just here, but I've heard other stations where that's what they talk about. Apparently, there's there's 
some plenty of um, national education programs for salespeople on how to use Social Security as a, a lost leader to get people in the door to sell them some other kind of product. So just be be wary about that. And and we're here. I'm here to be your sounding board. And if I don't know the answer, like a couple of them last week, they were a little iffy on my answer, uh, knowing for sure whether or not that was the correct answer. I said, you know, I'm not sure about that. Let me check on it. I get back with you because uh, I want to make sure the answers are and the information that you receive on Talking Money is is accurate. And so we we want your questions. So those of you who, who are listening on podcast, you want to send that question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Or go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on Ask Mike a Question, and you get that question to me. We have uh, a number of inquiries that come in uh, pretty much every week on on uh, through that website. And this article that, that Mary Beth Franklin wrote in the Investment News, uh, this is the end of January she wrote this, and I saved it for a future, uh, future program, uh, talking about how, in general, financial literacy and how people fare, females, male, and this one survey by the American College of Financial Services, it says that in her article, she says women fare worse than men with 89% of female participants flunking a 38-question quiz compared to 72% of men. And it says the survey tested consumers' knowledge of retirement income concepts and focused on the drawdown phase of retirement. And that's one of those more technical terms, not real technical, but drawdown just means you're taking income from it. That's all that means. Uh, she didn't say it in plain English, but that was the, she's writing this article to financial planners, so I guess that's why she can do that. Uh, so to be fair, parts of the quiz may be challenging to anyone outside the financial planning profession. And, and I would add, just because someone is more astute, uh, more knowledgeable about financial planning and financial areas, doesn't mean they're better at money. So I was speaking with Lynn yesterday, one of the radio listeners. She was calling me to actually tell me about a client she wanted, a prospect she wanted to refer to me about becoming a client of of mine. And we were talking about that, and I was telling her what I was going to be talking about today. And and Lynn said that she had, I think it was a roommate she had that was um, this is out of school, and a roommate she had that was a financial whiz. I mean, she had the I think at least an MBA. I'm trying to get Lynn to call in, she says. She didn't really want to call in. She wanted me just to relay it. So she said that, um, and I forget all the credentials this uh, particular roommate had, but she had all kind of credentials that uh, from a financial standpoint, these are all financial degrees, and she could explain all these very technical financial terms to, to Lynn, but she was terrible with her money. She didn't, she was like, I don't even know how to to balance my checkbook and she was going to rely on Lynn to help her do that kind of stuff. It's like, Hey, look, that's not my problem. That's, that's your problem. You take care of that. So being more savvy about financial things and understanding these questions doesn't mean you are, are better at money. It just doesn't. And sometimes knowing that you don't know, and, and she says this in the article later, she says, it's, it's not all bad news for women. She says, unlike men who are notoriously reluctant to ask for directions when lost, I don't know where she gets that from. Um, Many women know what they don't know. And the survey found that more women are willing to seek help creating a financial roadmap. In addition, nine out of 10 older women with partners or spouses said they equally share or lead financial decision making for their households. And female retirees and near retirees indicated they are more willing to seek financial advice than men. All right. So that's what I'm referring to. So 
uh, I think sometimes the male ego gets in the way and it's like, well, I've, I'm supposed to know these things or I don't want to go to see a financial planner because he's going to tell me how wrong I was with doing this, that, or the other. And believe me, you know, there, there is no judgment at our standpoint when somebody comes in, whatever your situation is, I've seen worse. Uh, I'm sure of it. And, uh, and maybe not, but the, the, the odds are I have, and we don't expect people. Matter of fact, we like it when people have issues and aren't doing things correctly. Cause that's how we can feel like we're doing the most benefit, giving the most benefit and adding the most value to our relationship when, when people need our help. So there's no judgments on our standpoint of what you should have done, what you shouldn't have done. We understand you don't know what you don't know. And there's things that we don't know in, in, as financial advisors, as long as I've done it, I'm still learning things uh, almost every every week. And so when you have a team like we do in the office with three CPAs and seven, I think, certified financial planners, seven or eight, I lost track. Uh, we've got a lot of talent, a PhD. We've got a lot of, of skills in our office, and we're just the local office of Ronald Blue Trust. We've got offices all over the country and got a couple of emails this week from other advisors having uh, questions about situations they're involved in and asking other advisors, have they been in this situation? Do they have some suggestions on how to handle this particular uh, scenario when, when presented by a new client that came in? So it's really nice to have that network of other people that, that you can rely on to make sure that the advice that you're giving is correct. So later on in the article, she's, um, she talks about 20% of female respondents said they are highly knowledgeable about Social Security. And just 10% say they understand annuities. Well, 20% is not very high to be knowledgeable about Social Security. 10% about annuities is even lower. And I'm going to guess that even those 10%, those are the ones who think they understand annuities. They probably still don't understand annuities. There's a lot of professional advisors, a lot of people selling them that don't really understand them. They understand the sales points. They understand how to get somebody to buy one, but they don't understand all the things that go into annuities, I'm afraid. Then she says, uh, this is a quote by the t uh, uh, Timmy Jorgensen, the Director of Financial Literacy at the American College. And understand the American College now is a, a college that teaches financial professionals, primarily insurance agents. The CLU, which I have, and the CHFC, and the Masters of Financial Planning and so forth, it's designed to help insurance professionals learn more about their business. And it's great when they'll take that. But there's but too many of them are still, uh, of course, salespeople. But uh, this quote from uh, Timmy Jorgensen says, women are concerned about running out of money in retirement and more than half want their advisors to educate them on strategies to protect against investment risk and how to prudently spend each year to ensure they don't outlive their assets. So, you know, that's a that's a very reasonable concern that you want to be concerned about running out of money. But of course, come from the American College, even in this test, and we're going to go over this survey after the break, but even that survey, there's obviously questions in there that are skewed toward making you think, oh, okay, well, the annuity or the insurance policy is going to be a good way to go because of how they ask the question. So you have to understand where the survey is coming from, who's putting it out. A lot of great questions in here. And, and people, like she said at the beginning of this article, 89% of females and 72% of men flunk it, which I assume they made 60 or 50% or, or less correct on that particular survey. So I did the survey myself and got about 95% right. So I, there's still 5% in there that I didn't know. Uh, or I, I, I would question their answers because I think there was some, so the way they asked the question was a little confusing 
and not totally accurate. So I'll, I'll put that blame on why this 95% not higher. But that, that's still a pretty good score. And I would encourage people out there just to take that test and see what you think. So you, it's just, I just Googled the 2020 Retirement Income Literacy Survey. 2020 Retirement Income Literacy Survey. And it came up to it on the American College. It gives you the results. And you can take the test and then find out exactly how you did after that. So you can take it even during one of the breaks or, or, or you can... Um, you can do two things at one time if you your guy multitasking is kind of a challenge, but you know, I, and I understand that. But you can do two things at once. So we get back from the break. I'm going to go through some of the information that uh, was on this survey. I'm not going to go through all 30. What was it? 38 questions. I'm going to hit the highlights of the questions that I think are the most interesting that um, would help also educate you on some different types of financial planning techniques that I think are are important. So. Anyway, it's uh, okay. Got 30 seconds, so that's that's uh, not enough time to do much else. We'll be back with the second half of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And you can also get a hold of me at Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com is another way to get a hold of me if you've got uh, an interest in finding out if whether or not uh, me and my team can help or someone on my team can help. I, I normally have a, a brief conversation with a, a new uh, radio listener to find out what the situation is. And I'm not trying to be nosy in that and not trying to get more information out of you than you are ready to give, not, not even committed to being one of our clients. But it helps me to know how complicated and what type of situation you're in so that I know which advisor might be the best advisor team for you to work with. They, they, they're all good at generalists, but they're, if you have a, a particular unique situation, it helps to know. It's just like if you're working with different attorneys. It's if, if one attorney has more experience in one particular area, you want to work with that attorney because it probably costs less because they won't have to spend as much time figuring out what your problem is and how, what the solutions might be. So we're going to do the same thing with picking an advisory team. So hey, which team really would be the best? And it may not even be somebody in our office. Uh, we have a professional athlete division. We have a family offices and some of those that are larger families. We have a division that works just with those and they know the uniqueness of those particular situations. And business consulting division that we've got several clients in the area in the upstate of South Carolina that use the business consulting division because we brought them in and said, okay, yeah, we need your expertise 
in this area, and we can help with the personal side on the wealth management and on the uh, private wealth advisory side, but we also need your expertise on the business side to make sure it's all coordinated. So having that kind of expertise has really helped. So that's the conversation we'll have first. And I'm not pushy. I'm not, believe me, I'm not trying to get everybody in the door to be a client. I want to make sure that, that we uh, ask the right kind of question to see if we are truly a good long-term fit for someone. And we do everything from a one-time financial plan to like a financial physical, uh, anywhere from somebody that has really no assets to somebody that has millions and millions of dollars. And we've got the whole gamut taken care of. So if you've got a question for me on that, that's when you call the our 800 number, 800 588 7526 that I just gave you or send me that email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com and we'll be sure to connect. So just a a few other comments uh, on this article that Mary Beth Franklin uh, wrote and was published in the Investment News uh, magazine, the weekly magazine that we get is about Social Security. That's her expertise is on Social Security. And she was talking about the American College of Financial Services recent 2020 retirement income literacy survey. And we covered that in the first half of Talking Money today. Uh, a few comments she makes at the end of that article, she says, few retirees appear to be deferring claiming. In other words, they're, they're not delaying when to claim and start their Social Security is what she means by that in order to receive the maximum annuity income from Social Security. Most people simply retire early, earlier and claim benefits immediately. The authors found that for most middle and upper income workers, delaying Social Security until it is worth more is more attractive than buying a commercial annuity, particularly because Social Security benefits are indexed for inflation. And very few if uh, annuities commercial annuities are set up to be indexed for inflation will go up over time. They're fixed, which means you have a risk in that. If you've got a fixed income on that and prices go up, you're not keeping up with it. That's where a good combination of investments is so important. And that's why also trying to figure out how you should take Social Security is is generally more complicated than just putting your information in a computer program and having it spit out what you should do. The computer program is not going to know enough about you in total to know what you should do what are your other assets what could you be doing how what's your risk profile how much you invest may may you invest that money if you take it early but don't need it would you could you invest it and make more money than the eight percent increase each year that social security gives you there's a lot of different variables in that you need to make sure you take in uh, into consideration and toward the end of the article she says using 2018 data probably the most recent data that social security administration has the authors calculated that 35 percent of women and 40 percent of men claim benefits as soon as possible at age 62 23 percent of men and 16 percent of women waited until their full retirement age to claim and only five percent of men and seven percent of women waited until 70 to, to, to collect their maximum benefit so those interesting things about uh, on that survey from Social Security that they that they mentioned. So going through the survey, the I'm just going to hit maybe a dozen of these questions that I thought were interesting. So question number two was to maximize the safe withdrawal rate from a portfolio over a 30 year retirement period. It is best to hold blank in equities throughout retirement. Then they give you five options, or I don't know is an option. A zero to 10, 25 to 35, 50 to 60, and 90 to 100 percent. So what is the max what is the the best to hold? What's, what's, what's the ideal? And they're going to use some statistics based on the last 30 years of returns. 
of how much you should keep in stocks. Well, I picked 50 to 60 because I think that's a the the maximum way to make 90 to 100 is too high. 50 to 60 gives you a, a good chance of the market going through certain cycles, but you're still keeping 50% of your money in something that's safe. So if the market goes down, you have plenty of money to live off of till the market recoups, which I think is ideal when you're looking at a a, a well-diversified and effectively diversified portfolio. They said 25 to 35%. So my, I wanted to bring this up, even though that was one of the few that I got wrong, that they said I got wrong. I don't think I got wrong, but they said I got wrong, is that um, you need to have some equity. So some people get so conservative in their portfolio when they get retirement that they they do avoid the risk of volatility so they, they don't have as much ups and downs in their portfolio although since the first of this year they would have seen some some downside not a lot but some downside in some drawdown we call it in bonds because interest rates as they go up then the current value of bonds the current price of those bonds goes down so you've seen that if you didn't have any stocks to help make up for that and stocks more than made up for that since the first of the year. So it's important to have some equity, some type of growth in your portfolio, even if it's only 25 to 35%. And you just have to, to um, make sure that you don't overreact when that part of it goes down because it's going to go down. I can guarantee it'll go down. I just don't know when, how far. And for how long it'll stay down, but it will go down. So if you have less in there and don't try to time it, the only timing you need to do is if you have 35% or 50% in there and stocks do so well as they've done the last year or so, and you're now up to, you were 50, now you're 60 or even 65% of your portfolio is in stocks because stocks have done so well that the timing you should do is back off and take 15% of that out and put it back into the fixed income, especially now that fixed income has taken a little bit of a dip down. So it's a good time to, to maybe switch back. That doesn't mean it's going to not keep going down. If interest rates continue to go up, then yes, you're going to have some some drawdown there as well. But anyway, the importance of having some part of your portfolio, I, you know, I would say even if it's only 10%, put something in there that's going to give you some, some um, offset to what inflation might do. All right, next question to go over. It says a 25% negative single year return in a retirement portfolio would have the biggest impact on long-term retirement security if it occurs when? So this is a, a real key question and thing to remember. So when is it the when is it going to impact your life the most if you have a 25% drawdown, 25% negative return in your retirement years? So is it 15 years prior to retirement? Is it at retirement, 15 years after retirement begins, or the timing doesn't matter? Where is it important? So at retirement is the right answer. So the the biggest, it, it, there's two things, and they don't say this, but at retirement, if your money goes down right then, and if you have too much in stocks, and you don't have other monies that you can rely on to pay your regular bills and maintain your lifestyle, and you have to sell some while it's down, that's the worst time because it's going to give you the longest term negative effect on that. Now, if you're a well-balanced portfolio and you have other funds to draw on, it doesn't make as much difference. I don't, I don't think it makes any difference. The timing doesn't matter because you're not living off of it. But they're talking, when they do this kind of study, they're assuming somebody has started to take out withdrawals from those monies. And so taking that out right after you retire, when it's down 25%, you don't have any way of recouping that 25% downturn because it's, it's permanently because you've sold it, you took it to live off of. So it's it's important to do that. So if it's 
going down at retirement and let's say the first five years of retirement, uh, three years of retirement and spending that money. Uh, I think you have to have both. So going down at retirement is not as big of a deal. I don't think it's any big deal if you don't have to touch it. So make sure you keep it well diversified so you don't have to worry about that. Okay, it's uh, close enough time for the break. The next question we get back that we'll talk about, true or false, the death benefit from a life insurance policy owned by an individual is income tax-free for the beneficiary. True or false? Well, we'll find out when we get back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I'm pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance and as a fiduciary work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your estate attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. It's about uh, 12 minutes before the hour here on Talking Money. So glad you're listening. So be careful where you're listening. I was talking to a, speaking with a radio listener this week, and he said he was listening in his car and listening so intently at what I was talking about. He almost had an accident. So please, please don't do that. Uh, don't, if, if, if it's that, um, uh, if you're going to listen that intently, then pull over. <laughs> please and don't keep listening while you're, uh, if, if it's going to mess up your concentration driving. And of course, certainly don't call us when you are uh, in the in the car driving either, because uh, even though you may be able to talk and drive at the same time, if you're trying to think, uh, it's, it's something that I don't, my wife will tell you, I don't do very well. I need to pull over. Uh, the hands-free helps, but you still got to be, be very, very careful. So we're talking about the uh, survey that was done uh, by the American College. And uh, it was the 2020 Retirement Income Literacy Survey, which you can look up. And I would encourage you to take it to see how well you think you understand different aspects of financial planning, financial services. The question I asked right before the break was true or false. The death benefit from a life insurance policy owned by an individual is income tax free for the beneficiary. And that is true. A lot of people don't realize that. That's one of the advantages of life insurance and why some of these people that are selling life insurance on the radio and these financial programs are stressing the tax-free benefits of life insurance. Um, But you just have to be careful because, yes, the total amount of money that will probably be in your state would be higher if you take money out of your retirement funds, pay the taxes, and buy a life insurance policy with it. Because when you die, that money's going to come tax-free. So your heirs will get more. You won't get more. You can't get more. All right? So because the the uh, the money that you're paying for the life insurance has got to come out somewhere. And and I was on a call a few weeks ago. This guy was a um, an agent, a general agent that was trying to get agents to 
use some of his techniques. He'd written a book about how to sell annuities, and he was going through all this. I texted in a question because he said there's no fees, and the, what this is a great deal. The client can make all this money and have any fees. And I said, well, where does the um, where does the money come from? Where's how's the insurance company make their money if there's no fees? And his answer that he answered live was, well, because insurance companies have figured out a way using options and trading to make more money on your money. So that's how they make their money. And it's like, okay, I didn't have the heart just to go back in and say, no, that's not the way it works. Insurance companies don't do that. They invest in bonds. Uh, now they do invest in some things that try to give them a little higher return on some of the money. But for the most part, go look at the American College, not the American College, look at AM Best. And AM Best is, is the one of the companies, uh, rating companies that, that researches companies. And they tell you what the portfolio is earning that an insurance company manages. What do they make? It may, it may uh, interest you to see that. If you're an agent, you may want to find out, what is the insurance company really making on that money? Are they really making enough money that they can pay my client you know, these big returns if the stock market goes up, which is why they have limitations typically on that or they'll uh, they'll put your money based on an index that they have better control over uh, they're not just going to pay you you know 80 percent of the stock market return in in good years uh and not have some limitations on that they just can't afford to do that so anyway that's but the, but the life insurance itself different than annuity an annuity comes does not come tax-free ever uh even if you get the step up in basis uh, whomever inherits that from you as a beneficiary is going to pay taxes on the gain if it's a non-qualified and of course taxes on all of it if it's inside of an IRA. But there is a benefit from life insurance that the, the death benefit does come tax-free. And I think a lot of people are woefully underinsured, especially younger people that just have not um, taken the time to go buy life insurance. Even if you go to one of these online services that, that can give you quotes from multiple insurance companies on some term life insurance that you need. And you, and you can buy a bunch of it. You can buy a million dollars, $2 million with life insurance fairly inexpensively when you're young and assuming you're, you're pretty healthy, you can do that. And I encourage you to do that because if something happens to you, it odds are it's not going to, but it could happen to you. And you want to make sure your family is, is well protected. Okay. Uh, let's see. The next one I want to go over is uh, if I can find my, they talk about how taxes affect retirement, social, uh, retirement security and so forth, retirement, social security. Uh, question 13, which one of the following statements concerning the federal income tax treatment of distributions to a 65-year-old retiree is true? Uh, so the answers are distributions from a traditional IRA are generally taxed as long-term capital gains. Eh. Uh, I don't know. Well, okay. And distribution, I, I assume that's a wrong answer. If you put, I don't know, that should be a wrong answer. The next one, distributions from a Roth IRA are generally tax-free. And the last option, distributions from a traditional IRA for a 65-year-old are generally subject to an additional 10% penalty tax. And that's that's not true. That's 59 and a half. So this, that was a fairly easy one, I think. But some people don't know that traditional IRA are, are generally not taxed as long-term capital gains. Whenever you take the money out of traditional IRA, not a Roth, it's going to be taxed at whatever your tax bracket is, whatever your marginal tax bracket is, which is your highest bracket, what your taxes are at the next dollar you earn. That's your marginal bracket. And that's what IRAs are going to be taxed at, which is why you have to be so careful trying to convert. And some of these people that talk about, I'm converting my IRA and I'm going to have you buy a whole life insurance policy because of the tax deferral in there. You got to be careful because it could be that, that taking that money out is going to put you in a higher tax bracket 
and then you then you would have if you just left it alone and t- took it out under normal distribution um, consistency over a period of time. You take too much out at once, it's going to put you in a higher uh, tax bracket. Uh, and so distributions from a Roth IRA are are generally they are generally tax free, and that's if you have abided by all the rules. And yes, they're going to be tax free. And then next question: True or false? A retiree who is working part time can generally continue con- contribute to an IRA or a Roth IRA, and that is now true. You can still do that. Uh, one caveat, and and um, we had um, some conversation about this earlier in the year uh, with Alan Cox from uh, our Ronald Blue Trust Tax Department, uh, talking about if you're over seventy and a half. You can still make those contributions now to Roth, but if you're going to make a qualified charitable distribution that you're qualified to do from that same IRA, you can contribute to a Roth or a regular IRA. But if you make distributions as a qualified charitable distribution, you got to be careful. You can't take a full deduction for the IRA and do the qualified charitable distribution. That's a new quirk because you didn't used to be able to to make a deductible contribution to a Roth Um or an IRA after age 70. So you can now. Uh, Converting a portion, another question 15, converting a portion of a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA is a good idea this year if, and really two answers, the value of the assets in your IRA have remained the same for 10 years, or you have a big tax deduction this year and your marginal tax bracket is lower than normal. I pretty much kind of answered that question. So if you have a big big tax deduction this year, your marginal rate is lower, you just retired, so your income is lower, those are all reasons to say, yes, that's a good year to do at least a partial, probably not a full conversion, but a partial conversion on that uh, traditional IRA to a Roth. Number 16, suppose that the interest rate on your savings account was 2% per year and inflation was 4% per year. After one year, would you be able to buy more than exactly the same as or less than today with the money in this account well it should be obvious if if i'm making two percent but everything that i buy and this is another they don't say this in the question your inflation may not be four percent your inflation may be a lot less or it could be even more than that so you need to know what your own inflation based on what you buy because the inflation rate is based on a whole basket of different goods that they will use to track what prices are changing? Well, you may retire and just don't do those things. And so it's not going to affect you as much as it might somebody else. But assuming your own expenses are, went up 4%, of course, you're going to buy, you, you'll be buying less than you did before. So that's where it's important to be careful. It's, I think, having interest, of course, interest rate in your savings account at 2%. If you're getting that, uh, let me know because <laughs> it's not very many people to get 2% on a savings account anymore, at least not right now. You're getting 002 uh, and that's about all you're getting. Uh, but you're always looking at the amount of interest that you're earning versus how much it's costing. And another way to look at this, so if I have money in a savings account or a money market account and I just leave it sitting there, I'm not doing anything with it, and maybe it's an extra 50000 100000 and you're you're making less than 1%, but you have a mortgage that's costing you 3%, well, you're going to save some immediate money by taking, in spite of the tax deduction that you get for the, that you may get, for the interest that you paid on that loan, you're still better off paying off that debt. And I think so one of the best things to do in this day and age when we're unsure about what inflation is going to do, we're unsure about a lot of different things, that reducing your debt is one of the best financial moves that you can make. Uh, Let's see, number 17 of the following options, the best way to protect against inflation is to have a diversified portfolio of CDs. 
diversified portfolio of traditional bonds or a diversified portfolio of stocks. We'll talk more about this this uh, inflation next week with Mark Elam, who will be my guest, talking about uh, investments and so forth. But diversified portfolio of stocks is one of the best ways to protect against inflation. And people get scared about the stocks, but they're also scared about inflation. So how do you how do you get around that? Well, that's you just have to buy a portion of it in stocks that understanding it may go down as soon as you buy it, but it's still something to uh, to consider. Okay, got a couple of the questions here to answer, but we're already pretty much out of time. So I'm so glad that you've listened to Talking Monday today. If you've got a question for me, either about whether or not uh, I, we may be a good fit for you to help you with your own financial planning and find out what we can do and what it costs, then you can also send me, the call my 800 number, 800-588-7526. Or feel free to send me, if you want to send a question, or if you just have a question about our services or another financial question you'd like me to ask in a future program, then you send that to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. And of course, that's the place when you go to that website, just the talkingmoneyradio.com website. That's where you can go to click on the listen And then you can search for whatever topic you are most interested in, or you can do it chronologically and see we've got years worth of programs on there that hopefully will help you make better financial decisions. Well, thanks for listening to Talking Money. We'll be back next week with another special edition of Talking Money. Have a great weekend. Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.